0: Welcome to Practically Political. I'm Dave Spencer,
1: and I'm Carrie Sheffield.
0: All right, Carrie. Well, I'll tell you. I think all the Democrats in this land are going. Whew! We dodged a bullet. The uh, what was going to be supposedly a red a red tsunami ended up being uh, not a wave but a but a ripple. So I'm very curious to get your thoughts on many things. So much to talk about. But first of all, with um, the midterms over. Obviously, a couple of races aren't decided, particularly Arizona and Nevada, which will determine, and Georgia, which will determine the Senate. But it was very clear that President Trump's picks did not do very well. Ron DeSantis steamrolled to victory in Florida. So I'm curious to get your take on how is this going to is this going to affect how people pledge their allegiance to 24 candidates, and just your overall take on the 24 midterms. Yeah
1: Dave, yes. uh, yeah, Dave. Yes, yeah, David. Certainly was a momentous day. Um, I'm glad we're having this episode. Also, I'm glad, just as a sidebar, that you said Nevada. It's the correct way, not Nevada, as some politicians like to go in and say it wrong. Good job. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I think it's important though when we're talking about this question of a red wave um, to look at the context of 2020 because you had significant growth among House Republicans. So there was actually less room to grow in uh, 2022 when it comes to the victories. And so that's important to keep in mind because Joe Biden had really, really, he didn't, in fact, he had negative coattails. So he he barely eked into office, um, and yet his party eroded in 2020 in the House. So that's important to think about uh, when we're talking about uh, the context of of what happened with Republicans and Republicans flipped the house control for only the third time since I believe 1959. So you're talking about a couple generations. So it it was historic in that way. Um, and I, I have heard some people make uh, the joke that, uh, you know, it's the red wave is actually waving goodbye to house speaker Nancy Pelosi. So that's a very powerful red wave right there. Um, and, and then you have the fact that, uh, Maloney, uh, Congressman Maloney up in New York he was the head of the Democratic Campaign Committee, all House Democrats, and he got an embarrassing loss. Uh, so that's that's significant. So yes, um, I think as a conservative, I'd like to have a bigger margin of conservatives in the House and um, would like to see a more decisive uh, margin to get conservative policy through. But I think it was a clear uh, rejection of sole party uh, control of all, you know, House, Senate and the White House. And so the good thing is that you're going to have a stop and a check on the recklessness uh, of the Joe Biden White House. So there's that. And then your other piece on 2024, um, you know, I I think uh, it remains to be seen. At the end of the day, I am all about the policy. Um, You know, I'm all about um, focusing on who's going to be able to, uh, you know, Comparatively speaking, uh, progressive or conservative policy. Um, And I think whoever wins the Republican primary is is more likely to be able to to do that. I think if I were advising President Trump, I I would say to him, if you're planning to declare, do not do it now, I would wait till after the special election and pour all of your energy um, into what's happening down in Georgia. That would be my advice.
0: Well, I would say I think that's putting the best possible face on it. If I had to gestate to as few words as I could, what the American public said about this midterm is that we don't like Democrats, but we don't trust Republicans. And in other words, we don't like Democratic policies, but we don't trust Republicans with power. And I think that's frankly a pretty fair assessment as someone who calls him as he sees them and is fair and criticizes both sides. I think the American public pretty much got it right. And it looks like the House majority is going to be 222 to 213, which is a majority, but it is going to make life absolutely miserable for Kevin McCarthy. Of course, we can go through some personal highlights. Lauren Boebert uh, was behind by 73 votes the last time I checked. But if she goes down, that will be especially sweet because she is, along with Paul Gosar and Marjorie Taylor Greene, I mean really out there with some of the nuttiest of the nut jobs and I think last I heard that, she uh, was
1: eking out uh, well you yeah, know Le- may,
0: maybe she will maybe she will I don't know but it's still it's a it's a it's a, it's a good thing. So you know I think that the um, the Dems should to uh, breathe a sigh of relief but certainly it's no it's no chance to be cocky and the Senate is still up but again it just goes to show you candidate quality matters. If David McCormick had been the nominee instead of Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, I don't think there's any doubt that the GOP wins that race easily. I think if they have a good candidate in Arizona, not Blake Masters, you know, who said that we shouldn't even have entered World War II, I think they win that race. So there's no question, once again, that these, all these people do was kiss Donald Trump's ring. Now, some of them, like J.D. Vance in Ohio, won, but Ohio is pretty much a red state and i do give i think the bright spot obviously for the gop was in florida florida is no longer a swing state i think val demings was a solid candidate against Marco rubio but he thrashed her uh but a lot of other states were very very disappointing uh you know they were able to the, the gop were able to flip three three seats in in ohio huge thing of uh, the Democrats were so look uh, I, it's a very disappointing night for the Dems based on on what they wanted and again I think it's just a wake-up call move past Donald Trump, please because this is what once again I just don't understand it he the only time he you could argue he won I would argue Hillary lost okay he was twice impeached, lost the popular vote twice lost the house. First president since Hoover to lose the House, Senate, and the White House. His candidates are losers. I guess there's a cult thing. But if this is not finally a chance to move past him, please, I don't know what is. Your thoughts. You just seem hesitant to finally say, "Could can we move past Donald Trump? And I don't know why you're so hesitant to say that.
1: Well, I work for a 501c3, so I can't endorse or reject a candidate. So that's um, part of it. But I also, again, to me, it's really about policy. And, you know, as, as president, uh, President Trump did a lot of wonderful policies that really greatly benefit the American people and, uh, and well, we his can, victory. We, can, we in, can
0: debate that. But I, well, I'm, yeah, I'm talking obviously. about what he's done in terms of getting people elected, in terms of getting himself elected. He, except for that first election against the worst candidate ever and Hillary lost more than he won he's you know he's failed at, at every turn so well he,
1: he also delivered the house and the senate in 2016 so it wasn't just the white house and and it was because of that senate turnover is why we had the the supreme court that we have today which is why we have the protection of innocent human life senate that we have today and that I think that's Perry, part of why
0: not well, 2016 the Democrats won eight seats in two thousand and fourteen. That's when the Senate was delivered. That's true. Trump no, had was, nothing to do with that.
1: That was Joni Ernst, you're right? Yeah, uh, she well, was whatever. the one who flipped it, I mean, which that, I loved. It, it was. A, it, was, a, it, was a, uh, it was a lot of things. It was the night. No, it was the. It was the supposed to be the war on women election, and then the person who flipped the Senate to the Republicans was a the first female combat senator uh, in the Senate, which I I thought was a rich irony. No, but he I'm saying, that he, he delivered. Pigs. That's right. Make him squeal. <laughs> yes. Um, no. But but he uh, he helps strengthen the Republican's position. But anyway, that's in the past. I want to look forward though to uh, the future and this question of the special election. And I want to get your take on the 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 margin between Raphael Warnock and uh, Herschel Walker. Um, it's more than double uh, the, the double the margin of the number of votes um, is the Libertarian. And he uh, is trying to play play coy. He's making criticisms about the two-party system. But historically, libertarians tend to be more free market oriented and they tend to be more Republican leaning. So do you think, given that, that Herschel Walker actually will win?
0: You know, it's really hard to say because, as you say, Oliver got about 2% of the vote. Uh, it's very hard to, of course, my dream would be but Donald Trump comes down and inserts himself once again, as he did in, uh, I think this is a familiar scene, as he did in January 2021 and helped, of course, deliver the Senate to the Democrats because he was crapping so much on mail-in voting that, that tens of thousands of people, fewer people voted in the general than they did the primary and tens of thousands of people voted, fewer people voted in the runoff than they did in the general, thanks to Donald Trump. So Again, I'm hoping that's going to happen again. It's so hard to call. We did talk about on one of our previous shows, my scenario that does worry me is that if Laxalt wins in Nevada, which is looking like he probably will. So it's going to be 50 to 49. So as I worried on a previous show, the control of the Senate will come down to this runoff election. And even though, as I've told you, Herschel Walker is the most embarrassingly unqualified candidate ever to run for anything. And character doesn't matter anymore. Nothing seems to matter anymore. All that matters is power to these people. So I'm afraid that a few people that didn't vote for him in the general may hold their nose and say, you know what, control of the Senate is more important. I'm going to vote for him. So I think that, more than any other factor, more than the libertarian, more than almost anything you can name, will probably be the deciding factor in the election. In the election. Now, uh, you look at the gap between Brian Kemp, who just thrashed Stacey Abrams. And by the way, you know, I guess if you're a Republican, and every every show I watched, I love to watch and listen to these shows, they were every conservative commentary was gloating. Well, at least Beto O'Rourke and Stacey Abrams are retired. And Stacey Abrams, by the way, I think made a terrible mistake running again she lost that lawsuit. Her brand is badly damaged, which is too bad because I really did think she, she brought up some very useful stuff. But I don't think we'll be hearing from her for, for quite a while. So the long-winded answer to your question is, I, I don't know. I think it's so much of it is going to depend. This is going to be a huge election, obviously with control of, of the Senate hinging upon it. And we'll see. If I had to take a, a gut right now, I think that Warnock's margin was greater than I expected. I thought I was worried that Walker would get more of a votes than Warnock. So because Warnock got more votes, I think he has a chance. I give, I may, I give it like 55-45 Warnock, but it's going to be very close and, and it's really too, too hard to call. So my other question for, um, for you comes down to both ben, ben Shapiro and Tucker Carlson were adamant that if you have mediocre performance, you don't reward mediocrity. And the people at the top, i.e. Ronna McDaniel in charge of the National Party, Kevin McCarthy in charge of the Republicans in Congress, they were entrusted with hundreds of millions of dollars. And in many people's eyes, and again, people like Ben Shapiro, Tucker Carlson, some of the most well thought of conservative pundits, they blew it. They squandered trust, they did a terrible job and they shouldn't keep their jobs. What say you?
1: Mm, I would, I would blame Rick Scott more than anything, as far as okay, Rick uh, Scott on the things side, but because it's the, same uh, thing. so the three yes. of them:
0: Ronna McDowell, uh, Kevin McCarthy, Rick Scott. They were all endowed with hundreds of millions of dollars. They didn't perform. The top conservative pundits said, say they should go. Do you agree?
1: Well, i i uh, i am not a party senior, so I can't <laughs> dismiss someone. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm um, just asking I, your I opinion. I, I'm that... not asking
0: you to make any calls. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think uh, it's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it the, the, because the truth of the matter is that it's, it's not going to happen. Ke- Kevin McCarthy is not going anywhere. He will be the Speaker of the House. Um, he's He's been working for seven years to do that. Um, so we can talk about whether he should be or not be. And and there are, actually, there are uh, conservatives who you will probably find very distasteful who would agree with you, who would say, we want Kevin McCarthy out. Um, but, you know, that that's... Uh, who, who would the alternatives be who who would be the person that you would find uh palatable in the house?
0: well the well the you know the problem is you know if you're if you're looking at someone like uh, Jim Jordan, you know then no i I would not want someone who would who would do that you know but if you're but if you're if you're willing to look at someone uh, who uh, you know so you say some of the new people, uh, or some of the people who are come from moderate states who've had to have had to wing win in uh, swing districts. I think those type of people would be would be far more effective. I just think, and you, let's remember about Kevin McCarthy. Okay, he was thought of as too stupid for the job before. They had to talk Paul Ryan in, into doing it after Kevin McCarthy. No, they, after Kevin McCarthy made, how, made speeches happened. where he said, "Oh, I have a Rolodex watch, and my favorite country in Europe is Hungary." You know, he's just he, as I've told you, he's spineless. He's immoral, but he's also, he's just not very bright and he's he's not very articulate and he's he's no Paul Ryan. And uh, so he's he's somebody that I don't think is going to be able to do a very good job. And he proved it and he proved it once and again. So I think the Republican parties, I think at least even though she's sold out, at least uh, Stefanik is smart. She sold her soul to the devil, but she's smart. She'd be a much better person to do it because she's far more capable.
1: Well, and I, like, Steve I'm Scalise, but again, I, I don't
0: agree with that. He sold his soul. But again, much smarter. I think he would do a much better job. And again, I'm saying this not as someone who supports him, but putting myself in the shoes of the Tucker Carlson's and the Ben Shapiro's, who rightly are outraged at this very poor showing.
1: Well, I I agree. The Republicans really have to do soul searching because you're right. It was just a disappointing night. It, it uh, they did so well in the House though in 2020 again that uh, that tempered it to some degree. Um, but I think that the uh, Ken McCarthy thing just responding to what you said. The first time Politico actually had an interesting tech talk about why he didn't do it seven years ago, and it was it wasn't what you what you said. They said it was because. He had refused to give in to some demands from people on his right flank. And so he said, I'd rather not have my hands tied, um, than, uh, take the speakership. And so he chose not to. That's, that's what Politico is reporting. And Politico is definitely not a, a right wing place. So I don't know. And, and yeah, I, I think that there is a sense that a lot of people are angry and frustrated about what happened. Um, but I think part of it too is that they, they did let the media um, distract the narrative and and pull it away to being. When people say candidate quality, when that translates to me as in, I want to focus on personality instead of substance. So, for example, um, y- you are so forgiving of Fetterman's illness, but somehow you are not forgiving of Herschel Walker's that. mental illness. And well, I remember just, our last no, I, show. I think it's a double standard. No,
0: Carrie on our, our last standard. show, and, I said I, he should prove to Pennsylvanians. That he, that he is mentally capable of doing the job. I told you that. So I am I am not forgiving uh at all. I and and I think it does worry me. And again, if anything, I think that his uh dis- the fact that he was recovering from a stroke and I think he will recover, most people do, but it allowed him to divert attention from the fact that he is a pretty radical Bernie Sanders acolyte, okay? I've never been a big supporter of his, okay? I was a, you know, I was a Connor Lamb guy all the way. It should have been Connor Lamb against David McCormick. That would have been a good choice for Pennsylvania, okay? But of course, that's not what we got. But again, the three takeaways I have from this midterm, first of all, obviously the big picture is that candidate quality matters. That's proven over again. But a lot of things, uh, there were some real bright spots. First of all, most of the election deniers went down, Okay. Look at someone like Doug Mastriano. Look at um, that. I mean, you know, it was supposed to be a close uh, race in New Hampshire, right? Maggie Hassan, last time she won by fewer than the 1,000 votes. She won by 11 points this time against some guy who said, oh, the election didn't didn't happen. And then once he gets the nomination, well, I thought about it. And this is what I'm talking about, okay? And again, Donald Trump once again showed what a drag he is on the party. Um, and also I think what's really nice is that, you know, people really did, did pay attention to uh, not just candidate quality, but a lot of, a lot of the issues. And I think, uh, again, on the GOP side, good candidates won. Look at Greg Abbott had a great night. Obviously Brian Kemp had a great night, right? So there are a lot of, if, if you nominate good candidates, They're going to win. If you nominate bad candidates, they're most likely going to lose. This is not complicated. And I must admit, it's 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 something that just doesn't seem to be penetrating to the Republican Party. And I sadly I think a large part of that is is Trump.
1: Well, I agree that looking at the past is not is not the way to do it. So I think that was the way to do it either. Well, that's looking at the past. It's like yeah. constantly re-litigating past elections is is not a winning message. So I think that 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 was a, a clear takeaway for sure. But uh, my last question is: Yes, looking forward to the future. Um, you know, I kept thinking about the economic policy. That to me, again, the House flipping to Republican hands for only the third time since 1959—that's pretty historic. We're having a red wave goodbye to Nancy Pelosi. Economically speaking, do you think there's anything that, that the Democrats could sign off on to actually stop with inflation? You know, to help uh, increase domestic oil production to to stop the. The regulation that's been going on. There is an estimate um, by a conservative think tank that showed that um, the Joe Biden administration has put forth more regulations um, in just one year than the all eight years of, of the Biden administration, or of the Trump administration, or <laughs> four years of the, the Trump administration. Um, and uh, you know, it it seems to me that if if you just want to put the interests of the American people, uh, you know, ahead of your ideology. Why wouldn't you do something like that? Why wouldn't you try to deregulate? Why wouldn't you uh, want to put, uh, you know, stop this ridiculous student loan thing that is really class warfare on the backs of working class taxpayers, making them subsidize rich people, making up to $300,000 a year a couple? Um, Do you think there's anything in the economic agenda that Democrats could work with Republicans on?
0: Well, yes. And and, and by the way, I do think if you look, a lot of times when you have divided government that's when a lot more gets done. Now, that's been in the past. The problem is that things have become so polarized now, it's hard to meet. I've said before, there are a couple of no-brainer issues. I don't understand why. And that's why, For even though the Inflation <laughs> Reduction Act was a misnomer in many ways, the good thing about it was it took the right approach to climate change. And that is, let's go full speed ahead on alternatives but let's also keep going full speed or at least more speed on fossil fuels. Because the bottom line is, Carrie, for the next 15 or 20 years, we're going to be getting 80% of our energy from fossil fuels. Nothing is going to change that. And we have the energy independence and the security that we didn't have before. That's why the dollar hasn't gotten hammered the way it has during past inflationary periods, because we don't have the hydrocarbon hydrocarbon vulnerability that we had in the past. So, yes, I think we should be. Uh, drilling more. And I also think that, in fact, and Donald Trump would have agreed to this, but hadn't been for that white nationalist, Stephen Miller, who said, oh, no, Mr. President. And that is increased border security in exchange for amnesty for the dreamers. That's such a no brainer. 80% of the country supports that. Why can't we do that? It's easy. Okay. So yes, there are things that can be done. So I think that you will see that. And I think that as uh, I think Biden's going to realize that when he, particularly when he looks at the Senate map in 24, which let's be be honest, is a lot worse for the Dems than this one, that he's going to have to get some stuff done. So I'm actually cautiously optimistic that you'll see some stuff done on energy. You may see some stuff done on immigration. You know, my real worry and one of my things, which again, you sadly don't seem to agree with, is that the debt ceiling cannot be used because as a leverage, that's something that could literally uh, crash global markets and destroy the credit of the United States. So I'm hoping that that will be off the table. Because remember, the debt limit was raised three times under Donald Trump, no complaints, and then he put more red ink on the books than anybody. So the fact that they're talking about using it is, is just is, is despicable. And I'm hoping that, that that's not going to happen. So as long as that doesn't happen, I think we can get some i think some stuff will get done because I think Biden is when push comes to shove a pragmatist he's been pulled way to the right by his part to the left by his party, but I think he does want to make deals that's what he's done his entire career We shall see we shall see well again uh a very interesting midterm now the question is soon I'm sure the uh uh, the contenders for 24 will will be announcing and we will be keeping uh, ourselves very attuned to what's going on. So thanks for joining us for another episode of Practically Political.